Hi guys, welcome to another episode of What the Tech Am I Doing? Today we have Cricket Butler coming in again, but this time we are talking about crucial conversations. So if you didn't hear her first episode with us, go check that out. It's designing your life um, and talking about intentionally designing that dream life. And now this is another course she teaches and coaches for. And so it's crucial conversations, um, which literally is going to apply to everything professional, personal, um, family. It's, it's going to cover it all. So Cricket, thanks for joining us again. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, Dolly. Thanks for having me. <laughs> World of knowledge. We, we just got to squeeze all of it out of you and share it with people. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just jump right into it. I attended um, one of Cricket's trainings on Crucial Conversations, and I just thought it was so applicable to things I see, things I've done, and just simple yet effective things that you can start doing tomorrow you know, and improve your communication with people. And especially when you're in a crucial conversation, what to do. So Cricket, how did you start getting into this training and um, talk about like the importance of it? Yeah, well, I was doing professional development workshops for organizations for years. And the organization that I was working with brought in Ron McMillan one of the authors of Crucial Conversations, right when it was first published. And I had the pleasure of meeting Ron and learning from him directly, and then started training the folks within my organization. That was my job at the time. And uh, we were growing very rapidly and, and brought these tools internationally to all of our up and coming business groups. And it was just such a treat for me to dig into the psychology of why people struggle sometimes in in these challenging conversations that we have day to day. Um, My degree was in background was in learning and development. And so when I had an opportunity to discover the perfect blend of all that I've ever cared about, it was was just um, the beginning of a two decades long journey now for me with, with this training. And I just find it to be utterly transformative for people. So never wanted to stop doing it. I just think, I think these tools are really life-changing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, those are important information to know and it's cool that you were able to consolidate some of it into a, a learnable course. It's, it's fun stuff. <laughs> so walk us through some of the, trainings of the crucial conversations I just want to open this up um, since you have most of the knowledge uh, and and let you let you give the information examples and and just kind of go for it yeah I mean the idea behind crucial conversations is that some of the discussions that we have day to day are higher stakes than others and the ones where we're making decisions with people when we, we don't see eye to eye, we have different ideas about how we should move forward, uh, mm-hmm. especially the ones where emotions start to run strong. Those are the conversations where we typically need a little bit more help. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned, I, I learned from Ron McMillan, one of the authors of, um, of the material, he and his colleagues at Crucial Learning Uh, spent years researching what separates the best communicators from the rest of us and consolidated that research into this material. And it it really boils down to doing some work ahead of time to 
to getting ourselves in check, right? So, so we get our hearts and our minds in the right place before we engage. We can do some preparation. We can look at our motives and we can start to think about what is it that we want from this conversation and how am I showing up? And basically, we can't control what other people do in these co-owned conversations, of course, but we can do a lot to change how we show up. And so it's all about, you know, really preparing myself and coming in with my best approach. And in doing so, I can create conditions that allow for the other person to feel that they can do the same. And there will be moments that are harder and some people will be harder to talk Mm -hmm. to. Um, But we can do a lot to create conditions where we can keep the other person in dialogue with us. Um, I don't know if you heard about a study that Google did, Dolly. It was many years ago at this point, but they were really interested in studying what separates the the good teams from the best teams. And, you know, Google has a ton of data and they started looking at it. This is a project they internally called Project Aristotle, if you were ever researching it. Um, and, you know, they looked at all this data. They said, could it have to do with the size of the work group? Could it, could it have to do with the diversity of the work group makeup or the reporting structures? I mean, they really looked at everything. Um, what I found absolutely fascinating was that they realized more than anything else, the difference between good teams and great teams had to do with whether or not people on the team felt that they could report feeling psychologically safe at work. Hmm. Which I just found absolutely stunning. There's this idea that if I believe what I say can and will be used against me, Hmm. chances are I'm not going to speak up around process improvements or cost savings or efficiencies. I'm not going to give feedback to my boss because that feels risky. I'm not going to hold my peer accountable for a missed deadline because that's not my job. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so easy to talk ourselves out of these conversations, but then we feel like our voice is lost and there's a real impact when we don't find a way to speak up. So this idea of psychological safety is so key. How do we get people feeling like their voice matters, that we, that we really do want to hear what they have to say, that when they do speak up, we listen to them and it makes a difference and we honor them. And so we're going to talk quite a bit about, um, you know, what we can do to create that kind of safety um, along the way. And there's a lot, there's a lot actually that can be done. And it's in large part, it has to do with, um, am I committed to getting the other person's voice into the mix just as much as I'm committed to, to saying what I need to say? Um, oh, and and, and when, yeah, and when we can do that, the other person senses that and they'll, they'll tell us their ideas and they'll us if we're open to it um, and we make we make better decisions on the team when everybody's voice gets heard um, you know there's a lot of talk about diversity of thought well how do you get diversity of thought you, you really listen and you don't steamroll other people's ideas and you don't dismiss them and you challenge your own thinking and it it's co-owned at that point. So Mm -hmm. the tools are mostly designed to help us get out of our own way. (laughs) You know, we, we often come in with a very clear idea about what we want and how wronged we've been and what we want to say. And we push, we push hard for that. Um, And it can alienate the other person. It can create some defensiveness and we get stuck. Um, So that, that's what the tools are designed to help us push through. The, The hope is that we can, we can get to a solution that we both feel really good about. It's about mm-hmm. getting to agreement 
And it might mean that the decision we land on is a little different from what I thought I was asking for. And it might be different from the position that you're taking. We're really trying to get creative and, and leave both feeling heard and both feeling aligned towards a mutual purpose so that we can move forward together. So that's the, that's the basic gist of what we're, we're aiming for in these crucial conversations, which, which happen all over the place at home <laughs> with our friends, with our neighbors, with our bosses, with our customers, with our peers. It's a, uh, there, there, there's no shortage of opportunity to practice. Oh yeah. I feel like, I mean, crucial conversations. When I first looked at the course, I was like, well, I, and I wasn't sure what that scope was. And I think it's because it's so overarching, you know, it could be, are you at work and you're having a disagreement with someone um, on your team? You know, are you with your manager and you're in a crucial conversation trying to talk about a promotion, your career, um, or is it with a friend or a family? And even as simple as like setting boundaries, you know, can be a crucial conversation. Um, yes. you know, mm -hmm. discussing what you're going to do disagreements. I mean, roommates, you know, it's, there's so, so anytime, you know, and you want to be, I feel like to your point, when emotions are involved, that's when people get the most uncomfortable, like emotions or money or, you know, and that's the more we get uncomfortable, probably the more crucial that conversation is. That's and then we want to be prepared with those skills um, because we, you know, you want the best outcomes and, and not just to get what you want, but also, you know, preserve that relationship. So I'm really excited that we're going to help people get some of those tools today. Well, yeah. And you think about the world right now and there are we're having so many conversations now that 10 years ago we weren't having. I mean, the political discourse in this country has gotten quite hostile mm -hmm. to the point where we either decide I can't talk to you about this or I can't even have you in my life anymore because we disagree on these. I mean, families are being splintered apart because of some of these conversations. Yeah. How do we keep each other safe during COVID? Are we comfortable with the safety protocols that we're all following or you know, people just decide I'm not going to show up and be around that person because I'm not comfortable. Well, what a loss, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we could find a way forward that doesn't have to be at the expense of the relationship. So yeah, these are, these are profound moments that we're all experiencing day to day for sure. Yeah. So what are, so what is something that you constantly see people doing or saying that hurts these types of conversations? Or is there something that's kind of universal? Well, I think the most universal temptation is that we conclude terrible things about other people's motives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we tell ourselves stories all the time that, um, that, that people aren't working with us, that they're being selfish, that they don't care about what we care about, that they're difficult, that they're lazy, that they're not working hard enough. I mean, we could go on and on and on about the, the stories that we tell ourselves that drive emotional responses. And I think that's one thing to just be aware of is that if you were to tell someone the conclusions that you've drawn nine times out of 10, they're going to, they're going to think, Oh, I would have you draw a different conclusion about me. Actually. <laughs> I think about, I think about this a little bit differently. It's contextualized in my mind a, a bit differently. And so that's the value of coming into a conversation like this is we can really start to test our assumptions and open our mind up to the possibility that another person might be seeing things a little bit differently than we are. 
we tend to th- take things very personally. We tend to get emotional and that just makes it harder for us to do the work. So to come in really open-minded, our, our authors like to say, our goal is to be curious rather than furious. <laughs> and I love that. Um, it's a nice starting point to say, let me, let me think about this differently. And a lot of times our starting point is, is self-serving. Of course, we have ego that drives a lot of a lot of these conversations, you know, if my focus is on getting what I want or proving you wrong or criticizing you or blaming you um, or even just avoiding conflict, um, those as a starting point will take us right out of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And if we can come in oriented in a different way to say, you know, really what my goal here is, is just to learn about the other person, their position, their perspective. I want to uncover the truth, recognizing it might be a little different from what I thought it was, that I want to produce long-term sustainable results while strengthening these relationships. That can be very powerful. Um, Joseph Grenny um, often has said to me, we, we want to influence people. That's why we're having these crucial conversations. People will never let us influence them if we are not in relationship with them. And I, I just think that's it. We're mm-hmm. trying to position ourselves as allies in this conversation. We're partners. Uh, we're looking to identify our mutual purpose. What are, what's, our, what's our shared goal? Um, it's so much easier to talk to someone when we're working in alignment. Mm-hmm. People use the phrase, we're on the same team. You know, that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the idea that we want to position ourselves as we care about the same thing. So you talk about this idea of a, asking for a promotion. Well, mm-hmm what does my manager want from me? My manager wants me to continue to add more and more value over the course of my career. That's what I want too. There's no conflict with that, right? My manager wants me to continue to develop skills and continue to have more and more impact. So if I can position the conversation in a way that there's, there's no way my boss would disagree with any of what I'm saying. It builds alignment. It builds agreement. It takes the controversy out of it. We might have different ideas about what that looks like or the timeline or what we call that. But if we can get to agreement on some of those shared objectives, it, it's a wonderful starting point. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. And I think something you were saying about the curiosity, I've even noticed that when I'm more curious about where they're coming from I'm a lot more patient and then that goes back to we get to a better solution instead of trying to rush it but it's instead of you know so instead of being like how the heck do they get to get that conclusion like no they're wrong being like genuinely if you're curious you're like how did they get to that conclusion be like you know why do you think that and then you'll it's so interesting when you look at it that way you'll almost see the inner workings a bit of someone's mind. They're like, well, we have this. And so I went here and then, and you're like, oh, our assumption about this specific thing was different, but maybe these other things are the same. And so you, when you go about it with curiosity, you probably start to realize that you, you humanize them and you might have, you know, more similarities throughout the path to that outcome versus just comparing your different outcomes. Well, exactly. If we can find that common ground, then we can build off of that. Mm-hmm. And we do have different ideas about how things should get done. And that's to be expected. Um, but that's when we want to deeply understand 
why they're taking the position that they're taking. A lot of times we just make a ton of assumptions about that. Um, and when we, when we get curious and we ask more questions, we learn more, we signal humility and openness and it makes it easier for the other person to be real with us. And, you know, we're watching that tendency to get defensive. Mm -hmm. um, but the more we understand about where they're coming from, the more creative we can. So uh, let me just have you walk through an example with me, Dolly. So let's say that I feel like I'm ready for a promotion. We'll just go back to this one that we were talking about. And I go to my boss and I say, hey, I've been here a couple of years and here's what I've accomplished. I feel like I'm really ready for the next step. And I was wondering how you'd feel about me moving into this next role. And maybe my boss has bad news for me and says something like, oh, I'm a little surprised to hear you feel like you're ready for that. Um, from my perspective, we're missing a few steps in the evolution that would bring you to that next role. Um, you know, my sense would be that this is a real opportunity for me to learn. So, oh, great. I hadn't Realize that that would be the expectation. Can you help me understand more about that? And really position this as, um, but I might also need to give a little bit more context from my perspective. Uh, what am I looking for? So maybe I say to my boss, it sounds like you don't think I'm ready for that. I can totally appreciate that. You know, where, where I'm coming from is I just want to keep adding value and I, I want to keep learning. I, I want to make sure my resume doesn't look stagnant. Um, and my fear is I've sort of gotten to a place where I've been doing this for a while and I'm worried that I'm, I'm just not growing. Um, maybe that opens up some creative opportunities. Maybe my boss would come back and say, oh, gosh, well, maybe we could get you uh, trained up in a new skill. Maybe send you to a few new classes and you could add that to your resume. Or maybe we could find a way for you to lead a committee and get some experience working with some different folks in the organization, um, or maybe we could have you job shadow somebody who is in charge of a certain project just to give you some more exposure to that side of the business that you haven't played with before. And that would feel like a real win, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. learning skills. I can add that to my resume. I'm sending the message to my boss. I'm all in. And at the same time, recognizing there's more to learn and I'm not ready for that next position. Or maybe there are not that many opportunities to move into the next role because it's competitive and we just got to wait, wait our turn sometimes. And <laughs> so the answer might be, no, there's not a promotion available, but I can still leave feeling like I'm in a good place. I'm getting my needs met. And again, we landed in a place I didn't expect, but it's really good. And the relationship is strong and I'm not getting defensive and I'm not pushing too hard. I'm saying, let's, let's talk about what this could look like. Maybe I don't know. Um, and that's what dialogue helps us do. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of leaving there with one person, you know, you're upset because you didn't get a promotion or they're not budging, you know, it's like, there's all these other outcomes. It doesn't have to be yes or no. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We're leaving ourselves open to new possibilities and it's through dialogue that we can explore some of those innovative ideas. Would you have an example of I feel like promotions are one and there's obviously there's more to a promotion. Cause I think a lot of things is, you know, can I just keep growing and developing, but obviously you want to get recognized for the work you're doing. And I know um, a lot of people recently have been having crucial conversations um, about salaries that they've asked me advice for. So could you give advice on 
someone who wants a salary increase? Oh gosh, I wish there were a manual for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it's helpful to understand how salary decisions are made. I think sometimes that's a little bit of a black hole in some organizations for people. And there's this expectation, I've been here a while, and so I deserve a bump. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's how decisions are always made around salary. <laughs> so I think that that could be really an opportunity to just ask a lot of questions to say, you know, are there pay ranges, salary grades? You know, how does this work? What would position somebody for a bump? And can you help me understand where I am in, in that process? Like what skills are you looking for people to develop, to be considered for that? What's the contribution you're looking for that would help you assess readiness? Um, some organizations are more mature than others in terms of how well documented that process is. Mm. Um, and for different reasons, there are different levels of visibility around mm -hmm. some of that. So I don't know that there's one right answer, um, but I think coming in with a desire to understand more from the perspective of management about how are those decisions made? What would position me for that sort of thing? Just trying to get those expectations aligned is helpful. Um, I think sometimes we, we don't have those conversations. We wait until we start feeling like there's some imbalance. And then we get really frustrated when the answer isn't yes right away. Cause we're like, look, I've increased my value. Why aren't we getting paid for this? You know? <laughs> um, and, and I think sometimes people are asked to take on more work before the compensation follows. Hmm. Um, so if it's a matter of recognition for the hard work, you know, we can ask for that. Is there a way for me to be recognized for this? Sometimes that's different than, than a bump in comp. Um, sometimes it's a change in title or it's a special mm -hmm. designation or, um, it's looking for other ways to get uh, a little bit of financial recognition that might be different than even getting a bump in salary. I mean, a lot of times people will get spot bonuses or gift cards or they'll be given other opportunities in that way. So I think coming in with a fair degree of flexibility in the ask can be really helpful, um, but also just deeply trying to understand how these decisions are made um, is an easier conversation than I want this phrase right now. Yeah. That's, that's, I think how I would maybe position my thinking on the front end of those conversations. Yeah. And I love what you said about going in with curiosity and it goes back to that curiosity, you know, how are salary decisions made and asking a lot of questions and, you know, what is the, the range like and, and what makes you make these decisions? Cause even if in that specific moment, it doesn't get you the outcome. I think what that does is one, prepare you for understanding why you're, why that is your salary. Um, but then also if you're having that conversation with your, your management, then 
they're starting, like all those questions you asked, they had to answer. And so they also had to think about it and make sure that, you know, where you're at is accurate. And so, and then I think coming in with curiosity will make it so, you know, neither side gets defensive because obviously that's um, not great for the, for the outcome or the relationship. So that's good advice, but yeah, it's never um, easy and it's not, I mean, it completely depends on who you're talking to and where you work and, and many things. So it's (laughs) sadly not a uh, one, one track guide for everyone. Well, that, and I think you want to assume good intent, right? So to start out by saying, I I know that you're all trying to fairly compensate us and I know we all care about equity. I mean, I think if we come in and we just frame it up, like my expectations that of course we're we're all wanting this for each other. Uh, that, first of all, takes the defensiveness out of me because I've done the work to say my, you know, my emotional starting point is fair. Um, but it also reminds the other person, this isn't about me pointing fingers or blaming you or getting mad at you for not giving me what I want. It's, it's me just trying to understand. And maybe we have to highlight a lack of equity in, in those salary discussions that they aren't thinking about. Um, but to go in and say, you know, I know, I know we all care about getting this right. And here's what I'm thinking about. And I don't know if you're thinking about that, or, you know, maybe it's not on your radar to look at whether or not it's time for us to revisit these conversations. And maybe it's not even time for it, but I'm I'm thinking, I'm starting to think about it and I would be remiss in not bringing it up. And I just, I just wonder where your head is. And, you know, a lot of times I think we think, oh, this is my one shot. I got to get it right. Just this (laughs) one time. And a lot of times it's a series of conversations before things start to move and grow. And I think being open to that takes the pressure off of getting it exactly right in the one moment that, that we start out with. Uh, for me, it's it's just let me understand. Let me let me bring this to your attention. I'm curious. We'll think about it. You know, sometimes it evolves over time. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and then, so we've talked about some a couple examples and you know things that people might be doing that are are hurting. What do you think is the most valuable implementation? they can make. I know we mentioned curiosity as being one. Um, and you had also s- some other ones that you had mentioned were, you know, starting off with showing that they have good intent before you kind of dive into <laughs> to your side. Um, what are what are other important takeaways and things that can be implemented? Yeah, I think it's it's really helpful if you can identify real facts before coming into a conversation, you know, what, what happened? What did I see? What did I hear? You know, back to the salary conversation, you know, it's my perspective that I'm ready for a a promotion or ready for a bump in pay, but based on what? So if I can point to some specific data, um, that brings the other person into the conversation organically. They can start to see why I might be drawing some of the conclusions I'm drawing. They might have different conclusions along the way, though. So, you know, coming in prepared to focus on the facts as a, as a starting point, and then telling the other person, you know, this is my take on it. This is my perception. This is how I, how I see things. It allows room for the other person to have a different take on it. And um, that kind of language, that sort of tentative language um, is really important because if I come in being too directive, 
um, or overstating my opinion as if it's fact, that can be a real turnoff to the other person. Um, they need to be able to share their perspective and not feel like they're fighting us. Mm -hmm. So to be able to point to some facts and then say, and here's how, here's how I think about that, or here's what this means to me, but what are mm -hmm. your thoughts? I'd love to get your perspective. Or do you, do you, are you sitting on information I might not be seeing? Um, you know, when people make decisions, it's based on what they're looking at, what their experiences are, what they've heard along the way, you know, point to those conversations, point to that data, po point to those past experiences, be specific, and then say, you know, my concern is that we're running into the same sort of situation, but, but maybe you see it differently. What am I not thinking about? And just really allowing for that back and forth um, is very helpful. Uh, if we push too hard, the other person feels like they have to push back. And that's not what we want. We want to make it okay for them to have a difference of opinion along the way. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And I think, I love that you say, um, to identify the real facts and state the real facts and not opinions. Because uh -huh. I, I think it's easy to say that, but then you realize your reality is not their reality. And that's right. neither may be the actual reality. That's right. Um, and so one of the good examples that I remember you had is, you know, um, you, you could say, you know, someone slams on the desk and you're like, wow, they're being aggressive. And it's like, no, your opinion is that they were aggressive. The fact is that they slammed on the desk. And so, you know, changing how the way you state that to be, oh, I noticed you slammed on the desk. Like, are you, are you okay? It seemed a little aggressive or something like that. So it's like, it, it almost opens up the opportunity for them to say, oh, no, I, you know, this is what's going on instead of being like, whoa, pretty aggressive. And then, you know, they get defensive. You know, I think it almost allows for that discussion when you state the fact. And then um, if you think it's appropriate, maybe, you know, your interpretation of that fact. Well, yeah. And it gets really subtle, really, really subtle, Dolly. So, I mean, this is where years of practice will, <laughs> will make it easier. But um, a lot of our words are quite loaded. So even in this little tiny example, if I say to you, notice you slammed your hands on the desk, you could fight me on that. You could say, oh, come on, I didn't slam my hand, right? <laughs> if, if there's a little hint of judgment that comes creeping into some of this language that we don't even notice. And if I'm really, really careful, I think, well, what did I see and what did I hear? And if I could say that as neutrally as possible, right? Like, hey, in that conversation, I heard your hand hitting the table. Mm -hmm. It's a very subtle distinction here, what we're talking about. But you're not going to fight me on that, mm -hmm. right? And then mm -hmm. to go on and say, you know, my fear is that that might have come across a little aggressively. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Then you might have said, oh, my gosh, I didn't even notice I did that, right? You could have had a, a totally different perspective on on what was going on but if I just start by saying man you were aggressive in that meeting you're gonna feel like I'm fighting you it's gonna feel like you have to defend oh, yeah. yourself in that situation so yeah it's great to get specific on these examples um, and we have to really train ourselves to look for for that language um, I I always think back to this moment where um, my brother asked me if if I wanted to drive with him to my cousin's wedding and I said to him Oh, I, I wasn't invited. 
I was very upset. Like my cousin didn't invite me to her wedding. Oh my gosh. And then I started thinking about it and I realized my real fact is I haven't received an invitation, (laughs) which is interesting. That's a very subtle distinction, Mm -hmm. but I haven't received an invitation is my fact. And could there be some other explanation for why I haven't received an invitation, (laughs) which is maybe a little different than she doesn't, she didn't want to invite me. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it got lost in the mail or maybe it was sent over email and stuck in my inbox and I just didn't catch it. Or maybe it was a word of mouth invitation. My mom just hadn't had a chance to talk to me about it. That's the difference. Sometimes that subtle Um, As soon as I decide I know why this is happening and I'm assigning motive to someone else, Mm. that's that's getting into my story. And um, we get attached to those stories and we get emotional about those stories. And so, you know, to the degree that we can really dial it back to what did I see? What did I hear? Or what did I not see? What did I not hear? Uh, Sometimes really, really... uh, subtle, but when we can get back to the facts, it unlocks us from those stories and allows us to be a little bit more curious along the way. Calm down so that we handle it better, right? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe go into that conversation with my cousin a little bit differently if I think she's intentionally excluding me from her wedding versus maybe there's some great explanation for what might have happened there. And in, and in this situation, there was. I had forgotten to update her on my new address, right? So there's a, there's, a, there's a different explanation for what I might have thought. But um, a lot of times we get pretty convicted in our mind that we think we know what's going on. And there's usually yeah. more to consider that we hadn't thought about. Good. So what do you recommend when the person you're talking to is not – if you're trying to um, – maybe state facts that the person you're talking to is stating opinions and, you know, maybe jumping to conclusions. Do you have suggestions for navigating around that and making sure, you know, you're keeping your cool? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to be careful when we're sharing our facts to point to our sources. I mean, I'm thinking about all these conversations about COVID, for example. Uh, A lot of us have different data streams right now. You know, there's Mm -hmm. sort of two different populations and we're all reading different things and some people are saying this is really scary and we all need to hunker down and you know get vaccines and protect ourselves and um, some people are saying this is overblown and you know none of this is real and so if I were to just have a conversation and say you know people are dying and this is really awful um, the other person might say that's that's not what's happening mm-hmm well, I'm not a, an epidemiologist. Like, what do I know? <laughs> you know? So what are my facts? Yeah. Well, I, I can point to my data source. Here, here's what I was reading. Mm. They're not going to fight me on that, right? I read this scientific journal. I can point you to it, written by this epidemiologist who said these were the stats in my city, right? If I can point to the data, that's the fact. Um, and if they say that's not what's happening, well, that's maybe their story. Let me dig into that. Oh, what are you reading? Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to? What are you saying? Maybe I'm not looking at that same kind of information. In today's day and age, we're often not looking at the same 
sources. And so I like to just ask questions and not to do the gotcha, not to be like, well, what are you reading? And is that verifiable? And, you know, it's not about trying to prove them wrong because they're going to hang up the phone on me and they're not going to talk to me anymore. They're going to say, she's crazy, you know, but if I can just say, oh, help me understand, you know, and if we can move away from trying to convince someone they're wrong and more just try to understand where they're coming from, they're going to be more open to where I'm coming from. And they're going to want to have different kinds of conversations with me. And I think sometimes we get into this back and forth of like, whose facts are right and whose facts are wrong. And, and that, <laughs> that's, that's just going to turn into an argument. We're not going to get very far. Have you seen the social dilemma? No, it's a new, well, I don't know. It's not new anymore, I guess, but um, I watched it sometime during the pandemic and it's on Netflix and it's basically about how social media, because the algorithm, you know, adapts to what you're looking at, you'll see more of, um, you know, you'll go on exactly what you're saying. Basically you'll go on one person's phone and you will see all the facts supporting your hypotheses, right? Like if you feel one way about coronavirus is a great one, right? So if you feel strongly that everyone should be getting vaccinated, when you go on your feed, you will consistently see, um, and if this is what you're looking at, things about people who are dying, who aren't getting vaccinated, who these stats of all these hospitals, you're going to see things and their facts to support your conclusion, right? That's right. But it, but if you went on someone else's phone, you would, and they didn't believe in the vaccine, their phone might look like um, they're seeing side effects of the vaccine. That's they're right. seeing, you know, and so it's like, it's, it was a really interesting documentary about how social media is fueling this um, divide because again, the facts and where you're getting your resources, they're like, no, it's, it's everywhere. Can't you see? And you're like, it is nowhere, you know, That's and right. it's, it's interesting because I think it's almost fueling this um, divide with people in our society today. But if, you know, you can, you can really state it and be able to be empathetic and see the other side and be curious, it'll spark a lot of good discussion. So, you know, it, it goes with everything. Well, and I like to subscribe to data feeds that, that are very uh, diverse. I like to read about the side effects to the vaccine, um, the stats about people who are getting sick. I, I like to intentionally subscribe to people who have a very different perspective. I want to know what are all the nuances of the conversation. It also prevents me from being so attached to my, my doctrine, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. that I can't be open-minded to another person's perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, in doing so, we don't form our own conclusions about things, um, but it keeps the conversation more balanced and more fair and more open-minded. And that, that is the only way anybody's going to ever want to be in dialogue with us about these tough conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's good for you to get that. I mean, we, we preach about diversity and diversity of thought, but um, I don't know if many people can say they go out of their way to gather diverse facts and information, but I really respect the ones who do. Well, just, I think it just helps us come in with compassion and curiosity and understanding. And it just makes the conversation, I think, a little bit more balanced for me, at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, So what are some, one of the other things that I know you've uh, given tips about, which I've actually been incorporating and I've given 
advice to multiple people, including like my dad and, you know, the people around me, I'm like, okay, try, you know, try this. Uh, because one of the things you had mentioned, which was something I noticed I do a lot and the people around me, we, I mean, it's just common, but, and I just said it, the, but after you say something, right? <laughs> so, so one of the biggest points I took home Um, and I've been trying to incorporate is when you're having a discussion with someone and you can share more eloquently than I, but you had mentioned state what their truth is first, make sure you're validating that and then pause. And then you can mention your side, but one, make sure you, you know, you acknowledge what they just said or how they feel and then do not have a, but in between it because it almost like invalidates that. And I thought it was such a small change and I really been incorporating it because I realized that the power with it. And when you give an example, it's, it, you just realize, Oh wow. I would take those two statements very differently. And it's, it's just a difference of one word. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. So when people get defensive, it's often because they've concluded um, that we are working against them or we're doing something they don't like and it's often a misunderstanding. And so what we're, what, what I think you're alluding to is this notion that we're paying attention to other people and how they're reacting to us. And um, we're, we're often quite cognizant of, Oh, I'm afraid that this person's going to think that I'm, that I'm doing something they don't want me to do. So for example, if I'm going to go to my manager and I'm going to share with them that I have some concerns about a rollout that's been introduced to the organization. I'm really nervous. They're going to think that I'm complaining. Mm-hmm. Well, I can actually tell them that that's not what I'm doing. I can, I can help to manage that. And if I start the conversation by saying, please know the last thing I want is for it to sound like I'm complaining, that can really put them at ease as long as I'm prepared to explain why I am there, right? Like I'm just sitting on some information. I wasn't sure if you guys were thinking about this and that maybe it would be helpful for us to talk about it. Um, certainly, certainly you're going to make the best decisions for us. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. You know, that could be really helpful because I'm clarifying my good intent for why I'm having that conversation. If I throw that little but in there, what's, what's the subtext of the word but? It negates everything <laughs> that just came before it. So if I say, I don't want to complain, but... What does that sound like? <laughs> You're about to complain. <laughs> I'm about to complain. So uh, just taking a breath, putting a little space after that kind of language can really make a difference. It really speaks to our authenticity. It's fascinating how language is so loaded and, and we get on autopilot with it. When you start watch, watching out for that, it, um, it shows up everywhere. So my advice is always watch your bets. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And um, another one that I really appreciated was, and you kind of mentioned it a a little here was, and I, I interpreted like stating the elephant in the room or, you know, the, the misconnotations. And I did it recently with a supplier that we've been working with. And I could tell that they were, they thought we were like going to add a ton of work. And I was like, you probably think, Edwards is doing it again. You know, we're adding all this work onto your play and making your lives more difficult. And I was like, you know, and, and, you know, they started to take a step back and they're like, no, you know, we understand how it is when, you know, minutes before they were on the attack, right. They were like, that's right. Really? We don't want to, you know, we don't want to do this or, you know, all these things. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I understand. 
I'm and I almost like acknowledging how they might feel and to the extreme uh slightly but not not like oh we're you know these awful people but acknowledging how they might feel and then stating you know what we're trying to do and that we acknowledge that and we're apologetic and uh, we appreciate and I noticed you know significance it turned around and I it was after that training and people came up to me and they were like, we've never seen them act this way. You know, they're always on the attack and I don't know what you did, but suddenly they're working with us and they're not on the attack anymore. Wow. And it, you. It, it, yeah, it was significant. And we, you know, they were a supplier that was um, just, you know, on the, the naughty list and, you know, hadn't been working with us in the past and they're, they're finally green now and they've been doing really well, but it's something in there was, one email and one meeting and all of a sudden things turned around and it was after and I I started with I acknowledged how they might feel I I talked about their side far before I talked about my side and then they they calmed down and so they actually listened um and it was I've seen such a shift in the relationship with them so I I you know I I credit those tips are, are really strong and powerful to me Look at you using all these skills. That's really a great example. <laughs> I love that. Well, here, let me just sum up why that worked. Yeah. When, pe- when people resist us, it's because, oh, let me say, okay. When people resist us, it's not because they don't care about us or our views. When people resist us, it's because they don't think we care about what they care mm. about. So powerful. So what you're doing is you're saying, what, what are they worried about? What, what's their perspective? Let me reassure the other person. I get it. And I care about that too, because you're positioning yourself as an ally. You're saying, yeah, I don't, I don't want to create problems for you. I don't want you to worry about that. Um, And then there's no need to fight because they don't have to advocate for their position because they know you get it and you're already committed to working with them. So it just takes the fight right out of it. (laughs) So good job. Love that example. Thank you. I also did find it used on me, whether they realized it or not, but I was was doing something and I was having a conversation and, you know, things weren't going right. And the person on the phone goes, you know, when, when we connect, it was like one thing after another that they, um, that something that they had worked on had made it. So it, it made my job a little difficult because it wasn't working. Um, and it was one of those where you don't want to be like, oh, I told you so, but I really wish, you know? <laughs> so when we, when we talked on the phone, it was, they said, you know, I can, I feel like you're really frustrated with me. And it, I stepped back and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not frustrated at you. I'm frustrated at that the situation. But by them stating it, it it made me take a step back and be like, no, 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 that's that's not what's going on. But prior to them saying that, that probably was what's going on. In my sure. Head, you know, sure. And so I appreciate I was like, oh, it's working. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, because now you're softening because you feel like they care about you and what's yeah. important to you. And they're not trying to be difficult and they're on your same side. Mm-hmm. And that's all any of us want to feel. We want to feel that we're aligned in our purpose and that we're being respected. It's when people feel like there's misalignment around purpose or we're feeling disrespected that that's when people get feisty. Yeah, that's really true. Remember, reminding each other that we're, you know, everyone's on the same team. We're looking at that true north, and it's just 
can we work together to get there and never be on the same page? Yeah, and, and we, we all are, but we have to remind ourselves, we have to say it out loud sometimes because the reality is in the moment we're, we're at each other's throats or yeah. we just, we can't, we can't make a decision. We're going around in circles. And so we have to kind of realign in those moments to say, what's our, what's our shared goal? How do, we, how do we take good care of each other? What, what is the solution going to look like that works best for both of us? And it might be different from what I thought it was. And it might be different from what you thought it was, but we'll get there if we yeah. deeply you know, connect in that way. Yeah. I've de- have you heard of the DISC trainings? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that was on the topic. That was something that I had a big learning of when not only like sharing the, the vision, but understanding what someone's priorities are. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I had an example was, you know, we, I wanted to make this line improvement. I mean, you know, was working with the manufacturing and, so we were like, you know, this would be a great line improvement because right now it's really difficult on the operators. I tend to be an I, which, you know, for those listening, um, it's DISC, D-I-S-C. Yep. And you could, you know, you could look it up, but I is for influence. So I'm definitely more on the people side and how, how relationships and, and feelings and stuff like that and influence. So I was like, this, it's, you know, it's really difficult on the operators, blah, blah, blah. I happen to be talking to someone who is a D. So for those listening, more driven, you know, what's the bottom line, that type of stuff. And they're like, that's cool and all, but I have a timeline. I, you know, resources. I don't, it's great that you want to do that, but not on my, not on my dime. Right. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. cool. The operator doesn't like it. And after I kind of took a step back and I, uh, uh, and then I was like, uh, we, we were going back and forth in another meeting I was like, wait a second there, you know, after I did this training, I was like, they're a D. So I went back at it and I was like, we should change this because, you know, you know, what I'm saying is what I care about is the operator and stuff like that. And I want to change it. Realistically, if the operator, it's easier for them, it'll be faster, right? So faster means less money, faster pace, better product, right? Mm-hmm. So then positioning it, you know, keeping the end goal in mind, what, we both care about is good product, but how we're going to get there. And so her priorities were time, cost, you know, she tended to be a bottom line. And so being like, oh, okay, this, this is what, and then it's like, oh, okay, make the change. And it's like, oh, that was so much easier. You know, once you yes. kind of get out of your own mind and acknowledge, okay, this same thing can benefit both people. How is it going to benefit the other person and almost use that to your advantage um because as much as you know people probably would love to do stuff for you um if you can share how it's more beneficial for them um they're much more likely to go go through with it and, and agree to it well and as soon as you start to have a sense that you're on opposite sides of the position you want to start by paraphrasing what you think their need is because yeah. as soon as they get that you you get their need and and you're committed to it they will more find it easier to soften their perspective and start listening to you. And I think we have the instinct to go the opposite route, which is let me just tell you what I want. And then you can tell me why it won't work for you. And the other person's already mad and they're shutting down Mm -hmm. and they're feeling argumentative. But if you say, okay, so I think what you need is speed and um, meeting the deadline and, you know, achieving cost Mm -hmm. reduction or whatever, then they're like, yeah, Yes, yeah, yeah, we're, we're in it together. And then when you can say, let's find a way to do that in a way that works for the operator too, 
well, it's not so hard for them to, mm-hmm. to meet us halfway. Yeah. Great example. Thank you. What are other, those are the ones I remembered um, from the training, but what are other ones that you would give advice on or, or you know, tidbits and tricks that they can implement in their language? Um, well, I think just, we talked a little bit about, you know, being tentative in the language, avoiding absolute language is something that's, mm, you know, mm-hmm. really helpful. And I know everybody's heard that before, but it's really tempting to say, there's only, <laughs> there's only one way to think about this, or we have to do it this way, or you can't possibly think that's a good idea, or <laughs> that won't work. And as soon as somebody starts talking like that, the instinct is to say, well, now it's a fight. <laughs> with that. So either I'm going to shut down or I'm going to start arguing and it's going to make it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So to the degree that we can keep it a little bit more neutral, um, you know, from my perspective, here's, here's what I'm worried about. Um, again, leaves room for the other person to have a, a difference of thought. So that, that matters a lot. Um, when you're in a situation where somebody is coming at you. So I'm going to just flip it a little bit. So now you're on the receiving end of somebody else's conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you have a customer yelling at you or you, you get some really tough feedback from somebody and everything in you is screaming, I hate this. I want to fight this. Mm-hmm. The, the, easiest, um, the easiest thing for the dialogue is to start with agreement. Agree with whatever you can agree with, (laughs) which isn't intuitive. Um, Start with the point of agreement. Uh, If you're, if you're familiar with that improv game, yes. And, Oh yeah. You remember those? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the idea is I'm going to say yes to anything I possibly can here. And then I'm going to add to it. I'm going to build on it. Or maybe I need to compare um, along the way, but I start with the point of agreement. So let's say somebody's giving me some feedback about something. Um, maybe the only thing I agree with is that I'm glad they're giving me feedback. <laughs> <laughs> pretty low baseline, but I might just say, I'm so glad that you're sharing this with me, even though I might hate everything they're saying. Um, and then I, I, could, I could ask more questions because when they feel heard, they calm down. So agreeing where I can and then saying, you know, this is really helpful for me because I actually see it a little bit differently. And I can go on and talk about how I might see things differently um, or add in more information. You know, I hear what you're saying. I understand why that's a concern for you. Here's what I was thinking about. And here's why I was coming from this perspective and share that meaning. Um, but that's, that's starting with agreement. It really diffuses the energy um, I, I started my career in a customer service environment, worked in a call center, coaching agents on mm-hmm. calls. And our job all day long was to respond to people yelling at us. <laughs> you don't call the call center unless you're, you're upset yeah, about something, absolutely. right? And, and it feels anonymous and people are often not their best when they <laughs> aren't face-to-face in that way. And so we'd get a lot of people yelling and it was like empathy and paraphrasing what we're hearing and agreeing with as much of their situation as, as we can. And then they stop yelling at some point because (laughs) there's nothing left to yell about. I feel heard. Okay. I'm done. Right. And then we get to, then we get to respond. So that's just a, I think a nice little trick to have in the back pocket when somebody isn't their best with us, just be like, we're going to absorb that energy. We're not going to fight it. And at some point it'll pass over us and then we can, then we can have our turn. 
Yeah. I really like agree with whatever you can. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because there's always something, you know? There is. Yeah. There's one thing you can find in there that you're like, okay, that yeah, that's fair, you know? And um, trying not to gloss over that and making someone feel heard, I think, goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is there anything, any other thoughts you want to leave the audience with or suggestions or tips? Well, you know, I'm, I'm drawing all the research from my colleagues at Crucial Learning. Their, their book, Crucial Conversations, is chock full of case studies, examples, and ideas. And, um, you know, I think a lot of this is common sense. What we find is that it just tends not to be common practice when we get emotional, um, when, it's, <laughs> when it's high stakes, when we disagree. And um, so to the degree that you can think about this and, and practice, um, you know, these tools in low stakes environments, um, it's just good, good training ground for us so that when we're in those higher stakes situations and our brain goes on the fritz a little bit, as it does, um, we're just a little more equipped with some muscle memory. So I would say, you know, take a look at, at, at that kind of research, you know, pay attention to the conversations that people are having with you. Notice when somebody is effective, like they did with you, Dolly, in that meeting where they're like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Here's what you did. <laughs> like calling it out and studying it almost to say, why did that work? Why did mm -hmm. that, why did that calm me down? What did they do? You can learn from that. Or when a conversation goes poorly, you think, I did not think that went well. Why didn't that go well? Because I can recognize, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that again, or I don't want to replicate that um there's just a lot to observe um watching you know great example of oh dialogue or wow that did not work <laughs> um, you know, we can get we can get a lot of insight from that but but i think taking a look at the research is always really interesting but then giving yourself a chance to to practice prepare 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 when you know a conversation is going to be hard if you if you sit down and, and write that email, don't send it over email. We know that's a bad idea, right? Um, <laughs> but, but go ahead and, and write the email. Just hit print instead of send. You know, mm. write it out. Sit on it. Don't send it right away. Read it over. Think if somebody were to say these words to me, how would they land for me? Mm. And if I would get reactive or defensive or if I would feel like it's not fair or unclear, that's a really good litmus test for what's appropriate and what's not. Find a trusted friend to say, hey, if I said this to you, how would it land? People will tell you if you give them permission, you know, and <laughs> um, just doing that prep ahead of time is so helpful because when we're in it, it's really hard to be thoughtful about the language because we're too busy responding um, and listening to the other person to be able to think clearly about what we want to say and what our goal is. You know, we don't always get the luxury of having time to prep, but in a lot of situations, we can buy ourselves a few minutes to sit down and script some things out and for me, I think that just forces a slowdown. It really helps. Yeah. Yeah. A few minutes goes a long way, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things you mentioned was the Crucial Conversations book and then the, you know, the course if someone uh, prefers a guided. And then I also wanted to mention on a similar topic, um, a little different, it's more on the negotiation, but has a lot of good skills when it comes to communication, I think you know, conversations and crucial conversations can be a bit of a negotiation, but the mm -hmm. book never split the difference. For those of you listening, it's negotiating as if your life depends on it by Chris Voss. It's like a FBI negotiator. Um, and it, it's a really interesting read. I listen. well, I should say I listened to it on Audible. So it was a good, it was a good read and, and the story went well, but it had a lot of 
good advice as well. So after listening to this, if you want more, there's the Crucial Conversations and then we'll Never Split the Difference book is another good one. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add? Any? This is awesome. I'm always glad to have you on. And you, oh, you say things so eloquently. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for saying that, Dolly. I just, I just love... <laughs> anytime we have an opportunity to dip out of real life and think about what we're doing day to day and just mm -hmm. explore what's the psychology of what's happening for us in these moments. And when we can objectively look at what's going on there and start to think about what works and what doesn't, and then we dip back into real life, we just feel a little <laughs> bit more in control. You know, it's, it, I think Definitely. that's the hard part is people feel really helpless and, and it can feel quite overwhelming. And the stakes are really high sometimes for some of these conversations. Um, so it's just, it's a nice reminder. We're all doing the work, you know, it gets easier the more we practice. Um, but we're never, we're never finished learning. I mean, every day I have a moment where I think, Oh, could I handle that better? But I catch it quickly now after having practiced for so long, I often think of, these these conversations as um, nothing but a series of ruptures and repairs. And so uh, <laughs> just being really gentle with ourselves because it's not going to be perfect ever. Um, but okay, yeah. I'm, I'm quick to, I'm quick to own my part in it now. I'm quick to go back and say, oh, that didn't feel good. Can I have a redo? <laughs> you know, let me try that again. People usually say, yeah, you better, you know, so yeah. just, just be gentle with yourself. We learn better when we're not judging ourselves anyway. So yeah. uh, it's a good chance to put all that into practice, but I, I just, I love talking about this and I, I so appreciate the opportunity to be in dialogue with you always. It's such a treat. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. It's a good, you know, you say some of these are, you hear them and you're like, Oh, of course that makes sense, but it's good to remind ourselves and the more we practice it, the more comfortable we get. And I, I love what you said too, about, you know, if you said something, you're like, that doesn't sound right. You can, you know, say it every, you know, we're all human and we acknowledge that, you know, we're all, you can be both a, masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously oh, so I love that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes oh my gosh I've never heard that it's amazing oh I love it so much I want to paint it and put it somewhere but that's <laughs> a future endeavor that's amazing I love that <laughs> well thank you so much oh it's my pleasure Deli thank you mm -hmm.